You're listening to Pop Culture Fanatics, a podcast for the crazy fan in you. edition of Nothing to Watch, brought to you by Pop Culture Fanatics, the only podcast for the fanatic inside of you. It's your boy, Mr. Val Sisko, your host with the most, the ghoul that's too cool for school, and today we're going to be reviewing one of DC's newest animated specials. I'll say special because it's a two-parter, Batman, The Long Halloween, a very good adaptation to the comic book that came out in the 90s as well, too. If you're new to the podcast, Nothing to Watch is a segment which I created where we talk about everything in the world of TV, in um, home video, on demand, and everything in between that as well, too. So let's get into it, shall we? We're going to talk about a little bit of the publication history of this film, and hell, we'll even go into the comic book history as well, too. We'll find the similarities and the differences. So stay tuned, and let's get ready to rumble. Well, alright, alright, let's get into it, shall we? Batman The Long Halloween is an American two-part animated direct-to-video superhero film produced by Warner Brothers Animation and DC Entertainment. Based on the comic book storyline by the same name, it is a 42nd film in the DC animated original movies category. And the film is directed by Chris Palmer, starring a who's who's cast of diverse voice actors. We'll get into it as well, too. The combined version of this film, since it's a two-parter, will be released in 2022. But the film shares continuity with Superman, Man of Tomorrow, and Justice Society World War II. Now guys, let's get into a little bit of this, let's unpack this. What was your anticipation, Val, when you heard this movie was going to be released? Well, I don't know. I really don't know because the long Halloween is one of the best Batman stories ever created. Uh, I'll be ballsy enough to say that as a DC comic book fan, as a Batman fan, as a, as a dude who grew up, you know, idolizing, you know, um, Jason Todd and Dick Grayson and in some ways as well to Tim Drake, you know, our boy Jay Rance, who's also on this podcast, loves himself some Damian Wayne and Tim Drake. Um, I will say that The Long Halloween is one of the best, if not the best, um, comic book or graphic novels, however you want to read it, um, of all time. So it was a huge undertaking in my head to put this in film. When I heard it was going to be a two-parter, it made a little bit more sense. Um, But I will say, I was apprehensive at the fact that this was happening because with the track record in the last, I want to say, two to three years, most of the DC animated movies have not been the best when it comes to adapting certain storylines. 
um, when you're looking at the killing joke and certain directions for characters and certain motivations for characters i just did not agree with that whatsoever the same thing goes for hush as well too i feel like there were big reveals in hush that just didn't make sense whatsoever compared to the comic book itself so i will say going into this i was waiting for the big swerve i want to say and this movie does have a swerve as well too but it is pretty faithful to the comic book to the continuity um, when I say that, the long Halloween itself pays homage to mafia movies, you know, like The Godfather and things of that nature as well too. So it's very easy to translate that into a film. Hell, this could be an actual film as well too. Um, it was even thought that the next movie by Matt Reeves for The Batman um, would have a take on The Long Halloween, but that's more of a year one that I'm hearing now rather than The Long Halloween. So this story is that big. This movie, this film that we saw, or if you haven't seen it, please see it as well too when we come back to me, um, is that grand. So let's get into it right now. Uh, my thoughts, my feelings on it. I will say that out of the latest adaptations of past stories, this one is pretty good. It is not the best. I will still say that Under the Red Hood still has more drama, more weight, better voice acting than this movie. But this does run into a close second for me. I think that there's a lot of emotional parts, specifically in the second movie as well too. And it is the quintessential Two-Face uh, comic book and movie of all time. Let's talk about the voice acting right here because I think the voice acting is very, very fun. You know, when you're looking at Jensen Eccles, people have been wanting this man to play Batman for however years. Of course, he is one of the leads in the hit series Supernatural. And this is his deep voice. You would want that character to play a Bruce Wayne or Batman. And we got a chance to hear it. And I gotta say, I'm not that impressed. You know, people are like, it's just as good as Con uh, Kevin Conroy. Um, I'm not going to say that whatsoever. I'm going to say that... I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't sound like Bruce Wayne. And his Batman sounds a little too... I don't know. It, it doesn't sound intimidating. But at the same time, it doesn't sound... It doesn't pull me in. You think of um, a character that pulls you in. I'm going to throw into the pro wrestling side of things. Jake the Snake Roberts, who is someone who talks very subtle and very soft. And every word you hang on, like it's the last word they're ever going to say. And I feel like you did not get that from Jensen whatsoever. I think he was fine. But to me, when you have him and Gordon together, hell, Jim Gordon sounds more of a Batman than anything else. Um... We're going to look at Josh Dumal. You know, I know he had a rough year with uh, Jupiter's Legacy, and unfortunately that series is not going to get a sequel. But, man, does he rock a Harvey Dent. I think he probably is the best voice cast in this movie altogether. He plays a fantastic Harvey Dent, and then when we get into the side of Two-Face, he plays a vicious, a deceiving, a very... Um, malignant, if you will, uh, Two-Face. And you can hear the duality between both characters. I love the subtle differences. It, it definitely is one of his best works as a character actor. I gotta say, that's one of the high points of this film. 
Billy Burke playing Commissioner Gordon. Like I said, Gordon sounds more like Bruce Wayne than Bruce Wayne did. That was a little crazy for me. That was a little crazy, but I love Jim Gordon in this. Um, I, I'm a huge Jim Gordon fan. Hell, when he was playing a Batman, you know, the GCPD Batman, I was loving that run as well recently. Well, not recently, but a couple of years back. Um, so the fact that he got a lot of screen time with this was fantastic and did a better job in this movie really portraying a, a Jim Gordon than uh, the killing joke, in my opinion. That's just me, though. And we're only talking about the movies, not the books itself. Um, the late, great uh, Naya Rivera playing Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Um, Catwoman. You know, this film was actually dedicated to her because of the fact that this was her last film before she, um, unfortunately, um, lost her life in 2020. So, you know, big ups to her. Um, she plays an amazing Selena Kyle. Um a great foil to Batman, but also a great friend and partner to Bruce Wayne as well, too. You feel the sympathy, you feel the love, the attraction from her voice as well, too. It's very warming, at the same time, very concerning, and can be very condescending as well, too. Everything that we love about Selena Kyle. So I thought she did a fantastic job right there. Uh, Troy Baker playing Joker. Um, you know, we got to hear Troy Baker in the Arkham Origins game as well, too. Um... You know, he does do a great take on on Hamill. I will say that. I think when you have Hamill as as the Joker in anything, it's it's always going to be iconic in my opinion. He just has that laugh and that tone of getting deeper and even more crazier as well too. It just keeps on getting grander and grander. There's a, there's something special about his Joker. And I feel like I appreciate other people having takes on the Joker rather than trying to copple ha- copple look at me. Copy Hamill's performance, but Troy did a decent job. At times I even felt like it was Hamill. I did. I, I really did. Um, so I think he was a really good addition. Um, the you know the first movie really deep dives into some of the Joker's fun kookiness uh, without going too crazy. So I, I I did like that we got a decent amount of Joker, but it wasn't overwhelming to me. Everyone knows this. I am not a huge Joker fan whatsoever. Um, I love the, the the Joaquin Phoenix portrayal. I love um, Hamill's portrayal. Hell. Um, there's so many different iconic voices for the Joker, but I just don't like him as a character in the Batman universe altogether. I understand he's chaos, you know, incarnate, but at the end of the day, I like a little bit more meat on my bones. My favorite character is, uh, you know, Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, if you will. So I like a little bit more meat on the bones of my villains rather than just chaos, just to put chaos out there. I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for that, but hey, rock and roll. So... You know, this is a great adaptation to the comic book series. Batman The Long Halloween was a 13th issue comic book limited series written by Jeff Loeb. And I know Jeff Loeb is not in the best limelight right now. He said a lot of controversial things about the Asian community, especially working on Daredevil and the Defenders as well, too. So um, we're not trying to give this guy a lot of shine, but I will say I can recognize the body of work. And we're looking at the body of work with The Long Halloween and the sequels with Batman Dark. Victory and Catwoman's Win in Rome. Uh, I gotta say that those are fantastic books and fantastic sequels as well, too. If you have not read them, 
go out your way i believe if you go on comiXology they're all 8.99 each if not there should be at least ten dollars but i always say go to your local comic book store and buy the graphic novels buy the trades because at the end of the day you will have more fun with an actual comic book in your hand rather than trying to flip it on the screen but to each their own um i love this book this book like i said is the quintessential two-faced story if you're looking for a great harvey dent story and a man slipping into madness by trying to do the right thing this is a story you want to read um everything from the artwork itself which is fan fantastic from the storytelling from Jeff Loeb and just the duality of what's right what's wrong and how do I stop crime well maybe I need to infiltrate crime in a way or maybe crime frames the good guy to turn out to be the bad guy I love it it's such a who great who did it story um like I said, it has a lot to do with the the crime syndicate. Not to say that's the the actual name. I'm just using that as a reference. Oh, but basically the crime syndicate of Gotham City with the Falcones, with um, with everyone involved in this book as well too. I don't want to spoil too much. I want you guys want to get in there. But the Maronis, the Falcones, the gang war with them, and of course the super villains associated in this, like the Riddler, um, like um, Poison Ivy, like the Penguin, and like the Joker as well too. Um, this is a fantastic story. And uh, if you're looking to see exactly Batman fail, this is your story as well too because this 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 group of comic books uh issues this this whole trade right here you know people like to say what is batman's greatest failure and everyone does like jason todd but let's be very honest for a second jason todd really isn't batman's biggest failure i know it's controversial to say that but he's not because at the end of the day, this was something voted by you guys, the audience, the fans at that time as well too. Because Jason Todd wasn't really loved as Dick Grayson was. He wasn't accepted by the community. And of course, when that comic book came out, there was a hotline to vote against Jason Todd to either live or die. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was us that really caused the demise of Jason Todd. It was us that really failed jason todd and of course by failing him he became the red hood and of course more iconic figures as well too a lot we could deep dive into jason todd another day maybe even under the red hood another day but in my opinion batman's greatest failure is harvey dent he most certainly is because of the fact that this is a man who Batman and Bruce Wayne trusted the DA, the district attorney of Gotham City, working with the commissioner, Commissioner Gordon, working with Gotham's greatest detective, Gotham's vigilante extraordinaire, Batman, all three, the three pillars of Gotham right here, working together side by side to kill crime, to basically apprehend everyone from, from the Falcone family. Uh, so much, so much to unpack in that right there because there's just a triangle of trust that's built in that comic book and it translates very well into the film. I know we're getting to the film now. It translates just as strong into the film. You feel the trust between all three of these gentlemen. You know, whether they're meeting on the roof with the bat signal, whether they're, you know, 
talking about ideologies and coming to 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 the same ideology as well too that sometimes you got to ha- get your hands dirty in order to take down crime altogether just as long as you don't cross the line that there's a code of honor you have to follow let me take a swig of coffee for a second because i'm getting hyped mm-hmm. cafe bustelo you know there's a certain code of honor that all three of these gentlemen look to to honor and I just find it very, very interesting that throughout the comic book and the film, yes, you understand that their that their ideology is flawed in some ways. Like you can't stop crime, unfortunately. Crime the only way crime's gonna stop if it stops itself, unfortunately. But it's an uphill battle. But the faith that the, all three of these men have to stopping crime it is just beautiful. And how they lean on each other for support is beautiful as well, too. Uh, especially Batman and Harvey Dent because while we have Jim Gordon as the commissioner Jim has always been hot and cold on certain things yes we understand that he is someone that wants to combat crime but he also knows that you know crime is always going to be there and realistically you may not stop it so at the end of the day this is his job he still has a life of Barbara and his kids as well too Harvey on the other hand although he is married Harvey looks at this as his life the way Bruce does. Bruce looks at this as his life. There's even a quote in the movie as well to end a comic book uh, where a character does look at Batman and says, hey, like, you're not looking at this as an actual job. Why are you so invested? And Batman is like, you know, Harvey's my friend. And there's more to that as well, too. Harvey believes in the same mission that Bruce does, which is no matter what, the job has to get done. And in some ways, this mirrors both men. Like, there's a duality of both men, like the dark and the light. So I could I could see that connection together. And why I say it's his biggest failure is because at the end of the day, Batman failed at being the world's greatest detective. When he's trying to debunk all these killer um, killings that are happening, and of course... Throughout the, the, the title as well, too, we'll get into it. There's a series of killings that are happening on certain holidays. And a lot of it is pinpointed to Harvey Dent at the time as well, too. But, of course, Batman and Gordon kind of want to look in a different direction. They don't want to see that the, the DA, Gotham's DA, Gotham's White Knight, if you will, um, is being portrayed in this light. So there's a lot of mishaps in Bruce's uh, decision-making when looking for information. And a lot of times, it's just straight-up dead ends. And I think if he was a little bit more focused and not emotionally invested with Harvey's character, he would have probably figured this out. So him failing as the world's greatest detective, him failing as a friend as well, too, is why this is Batman's, you know, greatest failure right there. Like, he failed everything. He made a monster in a way. Not specifically, but... Had he saved Harvey, had he been more focused on the actual plan itself, we would have still had Harvey maybe in a better light. Even though Harvey had his own issues, his own demons that he was trying to battle himself, maybe the manifestation of Two-Face would have happened eventually, but at this time, he would have been saved. I know there's a lot to unpack there. But let's get into the plot of it. Um, just like the comic book, the long Halloween film does um, start off with the Falcones and the Maronis as well, too, going against each other um, in a mob war as well, too. Uh, during this time, though, the Falcone family is 
uh, having issues with many of their family members being executed by silencer as well too by specific luger as well too with a silencer um whether it's the cousins whether it's the sons whether it's um even the wives of the family they are getting murdered and a lot of the attention is thought to be on harvey denton doing these murders um in the comic book it's not specifically targeted to the Falcones because it kind of goes all over the place to different crime families as well too, but the Falcones are the main source in the comic book as well too, just like the film. Um, of course, the film. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy Val Cisco dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And, of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast, too, with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh, whatever is out there, download it. It's freaking phenomenal. You guys won't regret it. Take care. Ciao. main I guess villain you want to say I mean there's many villains when you go into Two-Face, Joker so on so forth but the main villain definitely is Carmine Falcone um, his connections to Thomas Wayne his connections to Bruce Wayne and just the old grizzled veteran gangster that will do everything it takes to protect the family name and to protect his fortune as well too yet also evolving in the game knowing that the game is not just about gangsters and racketeers anymore the game is about doing what's necessary to survive and this is why he enlists the help of different villains to kind of get the job done it's not really about the tommy gun anymore it's really about who has the power to control everything so i love that right there evolving your gangster in a way you got to evolve your gangster to get ahead in life so he's a true villain of this you know, of this story um characters man so many great goddamn characters in this i really feel that part one of the long halloween and part two of the long halloween they have di very different tones part two has a way more emotional investment in that movie than part one and i get it part one's more of a setup but i feel like something was missing in there and i get it we're trying to figure out a couple of things we're trying to figure out the who did it situation with the holiday killer they go back to arkham asylum where you get to see calendar man which is one of my favorite fucking villains of all time i love the fact that a guy that's obsessed with dates obsessed with specific dates as well too and kind of does murders by these specific dates um it's very intriguing because it's very calculated right 
And now the fact that they, there's a killer on the loose that is specifically killing people, well, the Falcone family, on holidays, whether it's Halloween, starting on Halloween and going through like Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, Valentine's Day, you name it, St. Patty's Day, it's happening. So this also intrigues the calendar man, and it also intrigues Batman, Gordon, and Dead to really use the calendar man as an uh, informant um, to help capture this holiday killer so i found that pretty amazing i love the cold calculated tone of calendar man great great voice acting great character altogether. you know this this character never seems super intimidating but i think it's his soft tone the way he lures you in with his dialogue whether it's in the comic book or whether it's in the film it's just very captivating in my opinion um, so, like I said, the first film, it, you get the setup, you get the love story with, with Batman and Selina Kyle, and this story is very much known that, you know, Selina and Batman know each other's secret identity, and they want to be together as well, too. They're very on and off, as always in the comic books as well, too. But this one does show a great showing of both of these guys together, trying to make it as a couple, trying to make it as partners as well, too, and how it's just very good and bad at the same time. I will say that the the direction they take with Selena is a little bit different than they do in the book itself. And when I say that, I feel like Selena messes up a couple of times, is maybe too invested in Bruce Wayne to the point where she causes a lot of issues for Bruce. There's points where, you know, um, she's infiltrating, you know, the Falcones for her own for her own desires. And when she's trying to find a lead on this holiday killer herself, Batman interrupts and the first thing she says is Bruce and of course this alerts you know Alfonso Falcone as well too saying Bruce Wayne's Batman so I'm like mm, that's a little that's a little crazy because we don't really necessarily see Catwoman ever outing Bruce Wayne in the comics like that it's you know Batman's identity is super super secretive there's only a handful of people that actually know Bruce Wayne's identity villains and heroes together so the fact that this was so nonchalant like Bruce that's the first thing you say I I, I didn't like that and I also didn't like that in certain parts as well too she she becomes more of an annoyance rather than a partner at times more of a save me kind of character and I feel like Catwoman by herself is a badass that could take care of um, certain villains on her own, which we do see as well too. But I just feel like a lot of times they did fail her character in this in this series, in this movie itself, both part one and part two. A little bit more redemption in part two, but part one I definitely feel like something was lacking there. Um, part one specifically has the Joker being enlisted to help the Falcones as well too. Like I said, using hired guns now, super guns, crazy guns out of Arkham to take care of the job, to maybe to take out Dent or maybe to even frame Dent as the killer itself. Um, it's all this is all trying to like turn good into evil. That's the duality right there, turning good into evil. And they're, the Falcones, all they want to do is try to frame Dent to get him off their radar to also maybe even kill him or destroy his life because these kills, these murders are happening and and Carmine just thinks it's Dent coming after him personally, getting his own hands dirty. So he wants to get dirty himself. He uses people like the Joker to his advantage. Uh, like I said, the Joker was played pretty well. Very campy, like you would see in the animated series. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I Like I said, 
if the Joker is like this, you know, laughing gas, cracking up, making puns, all that works for me. I just get tired when you, you see Joker kind of like this master manipulator in, in certain, in certain uh, I guess, comic books or certain movies as well too. And I feel like the Joker is best used as the chaotic character. They could put him in anything and anything can happen, but there's no real consequence because Batman will never kill him. And that's another thing as well too, like... I never really care about the, the character of the Joker because Batman never really crosses the line with him. And in fact, he should be the one that he crosses the line with altogether. He should be the one character that Batman actually kills and never does it as well, too. And I get it. I get it. It's good for storytelling. I get it. But um, he was decent in this movie, in the first film as well, too. He played his part pretty well uh, as, like, the hired gun and trying to basically, you know, be chaos, you know, try to, you know do the job that he was hired to but also double cross people as well batman pretty much apprehends him pretty quickly as well too and puts him back into arkham um like i said part one is just a really good setup to what the events will have will, will come later on you get to see a lot of uh, issues happening with harvey dent you get a lot of backstory as well too of of dent not being able to hold a gun because he couldn't pass a psychi uh, psychiatric evaluation, which that is very interesting as well, too, because you get to hear a couple of inner monologues happening with Harvey as well, kind of precursors to what's to come with Two-Face. Part two, super emotional. You get a lot of great parts with Gordon, a lot of great parts with uh, Dent's wife as well, too, and her duality. You get a, a lot of great parts as well, too, with Catwoman being the savior of Bruce Wayne. There's parts where Carmine Falcone hires Poison Ivy to actually uh, seduce Bruce Wayne into coercing him to fund his, his mission for the Mafia as well, like his father did once before. You get to see Bruce's past in this movie where uh, Thomas Wayne um, knowingly you know, saves Carmine Falcone at a young age and kind of dips his foot into the mob as well too you know, funding Carmine's empire as well too, saying that this also helped people but hurt people in the same way and he's looking at Bruce as well like, am I doing the right thing by not helping Carmine? Am I doing the right thing by taking down Carmine? Am I making my parents proud? Am I disappointing my parents? What am I doing? As Bruce always does the breasting cat as usual um, I like the fact that Poison Ivy has a prominent role, you know, the femme fatale, if you will, and of course, the person to take her down is Catwoman, and I love in part two in this movie, series, if you want to say that, is that, you know, she shows how strong she is, she shows how independent she is, and definitely she is a, uh, a hero in this, uh, and I will say this again and again and again, when people look at Catwoman, they're like, you know, why is she not really in, like, somebody's top ten villains? Because she's not really a villain. She's a villain when she wants to be, but over convenience. But I think she has more positive goals than, than flaws, in my opinion. And this movie, or the comic book, shows that specifically. Yes, she has allegiance to, to Bruce. Yes, she, she has a moral code herself as well, too. But at the end of the day, did she need to do this? No, but she fights, and she fights for Bruce, and she fights against Poison Ivy, and it makes so much sense because, man, like, we've never seen Catwoman this great in the animated series, in my opinion, since maybe the, the Batman animated series from the 90s. That's just me saying that. I could be totally wrong. If, you, if I am wrong, please correct me. Rock and roll Twitter. You guys know where I am. Um, I love, I love all the different characters in the Falcone family. Um, 
the different styles of execution that are happening with the holiday killer and still to like the end of the movie you're trying to figure out who was the person to do it now i will not spoil the twist i want you guys to go out there and watch it but i feel like the twist doesn't specifically hurt it doesn't specifically hurt what's going on in the movie i will say though that it's a tad bit more confusing because throughout the movie you're seeing a certain body type and a certain i guess girth uh of the of the of the hidden figure as well too and when you find out who it is you're like oh that doesn't really make sense but you could understand the motivation so I get that right there. If there's any flaw right there, it's that execution of who the Holiday Killer is. Other than that, everything is pretty spot on from the comic book. Uh, it does mix a couple of graphic novels together as well too with the sequels, with the inclusion of certain characters like Scarecrow and the Penguin and things of that nature. But I love the laundry list of villains, the rogues gallery that pops up at the end of part two. You have people like the Penguin fighting. You have people like Scarecrow, Mad Hatter, the Joker comes back again. The only person that does not get released is the calendar man which i find that fucking hilarious as well too because you see that he's left out as well too because he was an informant um so many things to unpack in those battles as well too seeing catwoman and batman go toe to toe there's even a part where you get to see the, the scarecrow's fear toxin infect batman and just to see what his nightmares are to see exactly his failures come 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 to fruition i i, I like that right there and of course the the downward spiral of harvey dent the downward spiral finally hits and you get this that classic scene with the maronis inside of um uh of the courthouse and of course um you know they're about to testify on all the charges of murder and racketeering and everything happening with Carmine Falcone and the acid gets spilled onto Harvey Dent's face and we finally get Two-Face being the Two-Face he is snapping and of course that second bit of consciousness takes over and the real Two-Face begins and you get to see Oh, just a great performance. Like I said, Josh Duhamel's du duality of Harvey and, and, and Two-Face are just fantastic. Everything from the flip of the coin to the judgment making to the brutality to the to the the loss of innocence in a way. And then toward the end, trying to reclaim that innocence back. Oh, it was just so heart-wrenching because you know this character still wants justice, still wants to be redeemed in some way, but he is just so through with them. Gotham destroyed him. Batman destroyed him. The, the Falcones destroyed him. His marriage is destroyed him. Gordon destroyed him. There was nothing left besides Two-Face. Uh, like I said, the quintessential Two-Face comic book and if i'm looking at all the animated movies that have come out so far this is a quintessential two-face movie as well too nothing comes close maybe the dark knight um the dark knight movie but even with that once you do get two-face it's very short-lived this right here gives you enough it gives you enough a dent and it gives you enough a two-face where you're like fuck yeah this is great um so yeah, uh, that's all I'm going to say for, for right now. I think I, I've...
pretty much went back and forth with it from the comic book from the um, story aspect from what was happening inside both films I do feel like this may have not needed to be separated I would have done one big film altogether and just jam-packed it with a bunch of special features now of course if COVID had things to do with releasing them both together at an earlier date I could understand that but I felt like part one was lacking on certain things whether it was the emotional beat whether it was a bit of action I felt like it was too much of a setup that once the end happened you're kind of not really left wanting more you're wondering why didn't we continue more like why are we ending it right here it didn't really have that selling point to say, hell, let's watch the next movie. But both movies are both on H HBO Max right now, so you can go back and forth and watch them side by side and go into it like that, like I did. Um, and of course, the, the, the special edition will come out next year as well, too, with both of them just going through each other. Kind of like how The Dark Knight Returns did it. Um, definitely the second movie is better in quality better in storytelling the animation let me just get into that before we end this right here the animation i feel is what really lacks the most in this and that's what's really gonna sway my decision on this film right here um i feel like not that it was half-assed but there's something about the animation that feels very flawed I'm not an animator, so I cannot say I'm going to do it myself, but I will say the quality of animation that I've seen in the last couple of movies have been far better than this movie itself. Granted, I understand that you cannot go beat by beat from what was given in the Long Halloween um, novel, graphic novel, comic book series, however you want to put it, trade, paperback, however you want to put it right there, but that comic has a specific animation that makes the comic what it is from Batman's <laughs> exaggerated long ears um, to the Joker's exaggerated long face to Catwoman's exaggerated costume as well too there's a lot of things that make this comic book feel out of this world out of the norm pushes your pushes the boundaries a tad bit and I felt like this needed to happen in this movie as well too I understand you don't want to go beat by beat I understand that you want to have your own creative freedom and make your own changes to the animation and so as well but hell even the um the Justice League series of movies that they have that animation although those characters look a little bit more bulky than usual especially in flashpoint the animation on those movies were 10 times better on this one i felt like they because they, we were playing it safe in a in a in a in a movie or comic book that is so beloved this shouldn't have been safe whatsoever not whatsoever hell gotham by gaslight great great adaptation and i felt like even that they didn't push the boundaries hard enough but that was still good compared to this um so i will say how do i rate this with the golden popcorns i'm gonna give it two golden popcorns out of three i still think the writing is really good i think the voice acting is pretty damn good as well too the emotional beats if i'm looking at this as a whole movie altogether, the latter of the movie is is so strong that the beginning of the movie is very forgivable um the the emotional arc of Harvey Dent saves this movie because you're super invested to him. Even when you know what's gonna happen, even if you if you are the hugest Batman fan and you already know the origin of Harvey Dent, this right here is so satisfying. And if you didn't, this is a good spin for you as well too. Um, but the animation itself, I feel like the twist too kind of killed it for me. Even though it makes sense, 
the twist kind of killed it for me as well too and the beginning part of this movie I feel like if if you already didn't know Selena Kyle and you didn't know that she had a relationship with Bruce Wayne you would be very confused on what was going on because they don't give enough backstory there you're almost expected to know that these guys are lovers in the lovers quarrel if, if, if anything which is it's a weird way to do filming they do that with Titans and we'll give a Titans review as well too later on um, but Titans does expect you to know the continuity and if you're new to all of this you're gonna be super fucking confused so with that being said, I still give it to because the pros do outweigh the cons and it's still, compared to the last couple of movies that have come out, a great adaptation of the source material. So guys, two golden popcorns out of three. Go out there, watch both movies. They're both on HBO Max. If you get the physical copies, they're both out there as well too. But if you're waiting for that one special copy with all the other um, special features attached to it, they're probably going to have a great, great um, send off to Rivera as well too. I hope they do um, go out and wait for that for 2022. But hell, it's on HBO Max. Give it a try. Pop Culture Fanatics is on Twitter at PCF Podcast. It's also on Instagram at PCF Podcast and on Facebook at Pop Culture Fanatics. Pop Culture Fanatics is also on iTunes. Uh, it's also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor iHeartRadio, Pandora, and more. So go out there and find us. If you're looking to debate me on this movie as well, too, on there are certain parts that just didn't make sense for you, please do. If you didn't like my rating, rock and roll. Leave that in the comments section or reach me at uh, LuchaValCisco on Instagram and LuchaValCisco on the Twitter as well. Guys, we are out of here. We are out of time. Hopefully you did enjoy this. Let me know. Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? Did you like the comic book better? I sure did. I like the comic book better. But I find this adaptation pretty tolerable as well, too. It's good for the palate, as they say. I'm out of here. As always, stay safe. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. And have a great one.